It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are just three days away from leaving the European Union, aren't we? It could all have been so simple if only the Lib Dems, the Labour Party, the SNP, the Greens and the ERG section of the Conservative Party had managed to find a way through the morass of regulation, deregulation, red tape and bureaucracy. But they didn't, did they? If only Boris Johnson hadn't promised to leave the EU come what may, do or die, no matter what. But he didn't, did he? If only the European Union hadn't said they would entertain an extension to the date under which we leave. But they didn't do that either. So here we are. We've got a flex extension, which sounds like something they sell in the back page of the Daily Express until the end of January. What that means is that the Parliament now has ample time to scrutinise the Brexit withdrawal bill and arrange for a general election as well, all while getting out of the EU. That should make you happy, shouldn't it? Don't feel particularly happy, dear. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we'll explain exactly what it all means in the company of John Craig, Chief Political Correspondent for Sky News, hopefully, uh, and we will bring you the latest on ISIS after the execution of terror mastermind Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi uh, at the weekend. Plus, we'll find out why you should let your garden grow out of control and where the worst hotels are in Britain. 0344 499 1000. You'll listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. More gun talk from a water pistol. From the farmer of fury. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 is the number. John says, Mike, that was bad. You were deliberately obtuse with Mary. You know what she and we all mean. No, John, I know exactly what she means. And the point about what Mary was saying was that she didn't, I don't think, want to have any kind of relationship with the European Union. And I don't think that is a sensible way to go. Of course you want to have a relationship with the European Union because they are part of the European continent. You don't just shut the door and not talk to anybody and go, we're never doing any trade deals with you. And the fact that the deal is been 
been done uh, and the European Union seemed quite happy with it and Boris Johnson seems quite happy with it does not mean that it's a bad deal. You don't have to leave on sort of, you know, horrible, nasty um, and sort of um, ridiculously bad terms, do you? Why would you want to do that, John? And I think if that's the line you're pushing, then that's the Brexit party line, which you're very welcome to take. But it doesn't mean it's right or true, in fact. 03444991000. Let's talk to Drew Hendry, MP for Inverness, Nairn, Badenoch and Strathspey, also business spokesman for the SNP. Drew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Now, can you tell me why last week, the 12th of December, was a terribly bad and dark and nasty, windy day to have an election, but the 9th of December isn't? Well, the, uh, Boris Johnson clearly wants to have this election uh, on the 12th. He, w- he wants to do that so he can get us into a state where he can take uh, any actions he wants, use regulatory powers during that time. The fact is the motion that we're putting forward in terms of the 9th of December fixes a date and means that he can't interfere with that and therefore create a situation where he's going to, uh, in, in effect, force through a, a diversion of Brexit he's looking for, which... Uh, many still believe is a no-deal Brexit. Are you saying that if he was to get his way to get it on the 12th, he would go for a no-deal Brexit on Thursday? Well, it, it, what, what happens when, uh, when you, you set these, these, these conditions, when you, you uh, suspend Parliament during that time, is mm. you're leaving it to the will and whim of the Prime Minister, who right. has a lot of executive powers. We're not willing to do that because we know that we can't trust Boris Johnson. Nobody can trust Boris Johnson. Well, you Even say that. You, it's, it's, no, it's all right for you to say you don't well, trust him. It's not yeah. all right for you to say that nobody can trust him because you can't speak well, for well, everyone. Well, well, right. well, why don't you well, stick well, with what you can speak family, for? When, he, when his own family are decrying him and leaving his government and uh, saying that they think there are other methods behind well, it. Well, there are lots of people, Drew, who can actually leave a government because they don't agree with some party policy. It doesn't mean that they don't trust their own brother. Well, I think trying to say that uh, Boris Johnson is some kind of honourable person is a bit of a losing battle for you, Mike. Well, I don't know why you're so obsessed with Boris Johnson. What about Alex Salmon? Is he a, a, a trustworthy person? Well, Alex Salmond isn't the Prime Minister. He's not even an MP. I don't okay. know why you bring that up. Well, I bring it up because he's part of your uh, member of your, your party. No, one time was the member, leader. He's, it he's was the one-time leader of it. Yeah, yeah, he was, but he's not a member of our party. OK, all right. Well, let's move on to what I asked you. Why is the 9th better, then? Well, the 9th is better because you can fix that date. It means that you can't interfere with it and that we can go ahead with an election knowing now that I believe I understand this morning an extension has been granted to the 31st uh, of January, uh, we know that Boris Johnson can't pull any strokes and uh, create the conditions that uh, would leave us leaving with a no deal, or indeed his horrible deal, um, if, if he manages to take it even further through Parliament with the help of 19 Labour MPs as he uh, has started to do so. If there was an election in December, presumably there wouldn't be any time to discuss the withdrawal bill, which is what people in Parliament said they wanted to do. Uh, well, listen, I've been very consistent. I've been in your show many times, Mike. You know that our priority was to avoid a no-deal Brexit and then get this back to the people in a general election. Yes. We were being extraordinarily consistent. Uh, yeah, but I thought, you, yeah, but I thought you wanted to... But I thought the last uh, conversation we all had about Westminster was that Westminster wanted to scrutinise the, the withdrawal bill. Well, well look, at, you know, I don't want the withdrawal bill at all, Mike, and I've been very clear on that in all the times that I've appeared on your uh, programme. We... Scotland didn't vote for this. We voted 62% to remain in the EU. And at every point, Scotland's parliament, government and MPs have been ignored through this process. Well, Uh, I don't think you can say you've been ignored because you've been successful at managing to block everything the Prime Minister tried to do. Well, I can say they've been ignored. Don't forget the Scottish government put up a compromise uh, proposal to the uh, UK government back in 2016, which said if you have to leave 
the EU, you should allow Scotland to remain in the customs union in the single market. That was ignored, completely ignored. Every well, because there isn't any mandate for that, if you just is let there? Me, if you just let me finish, every party except the Tories in the Scottish Parliament uh, voted for uh, that situation to, to be acknowledged, and that was ignored by... Right. Well, how about how about the people? Hang on, how about the people who voted to leave the European Union in Britain, i.e., the majority, seventeen point four million? They feel like they're being ignored as well. Well, well, they should they should get the opportunity to uh, see what the parties are doing in a general election. I think that's exactly what we've been calling for. We've said. You know that this no deal should be taken. This spectre of no deal. But there is no no deal. There is no the no deal spectre is in your mind, right, Drew? No, it's not. Because the government. No, hang on. The government who you said would not be able to get a better deal than the Theresa May deal went and got a better deal than the Theresa May deal, and you're now and you're now ignoring it, saying that oh no, there's a spectre of no deal, which there isn't. No, his deal's worse than Theresa May. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's single. You think it is? Particularly a raw deal. Why on earth would I? vote for a deal which is worse for Scotland than Theresa May's deal. That's, uh, well, you've wouldn't. You just told me you wouldn't vote for any deal. Well, we don't want to. No, the well, EU. you've that's just said that, right? So was, you will not, you, as, you as, a, as an SNP member, hang on, you as an SNP member of Parliament, you might as well just get this out there, Drew, since we're okay. all about being honest, you will not vote for any deal, will you? But we don't want to vote for anything that harms the... No, the hang on, just answer me, answer me yes or no. Will yeah, you ever vote for a deal? Listen, you've asked me to be clear, and I've done this to you for you many times yes. on your show in the past, that we do not want Brexit to happen. It's right. not what Scotland voted for, and I won't be voting for right. Brexit. So you'll never vote for a deal, in other words? Well, uh, so you like just say, say yes. When, when options, no, when options no. come forward to the Parliament, we'll have to see you know, what those options are. But at the moment, there is nothing there that suits Scotland's needs. Right. So are, are you saying that you would, are you saying that you would vote for a deal? Wait, then? Well, well, wait a minute. If the Tory government had listened to the Scottish government and taken their uh, compromise offer seriously, there may well have been a deal there that, we, that could have gone through Parliament, and we certainly would have supported that because it was the least worst option for Scotland. So, yeah, to say that we wouldn't do anything is not true. Well, I didn't say you wouldn't do anything. I was just asking if you would ever vote for a deal. Well, we would vote for a deal that kept us in the single market and the customs union. Right. Um, but, uh, so why didn't, you, why didn't you vote for the Theresa May deal then? Well, Theresa May deal, deal didn't do that, Mike. Well, you it did. That? Well, it did. It no, kept no. you in the customs union and it no, kept you with no. much closer ties to the European Union no, than this deal true. would provide. No, that's not true. It took us out of the single market. With the, uh, we were already being hammered in the highlands. Yeah, but it kept you in a customs Latin. union, though, didn't it? Well, no, but that's not what we said we would... Uh, you just said if mind. you'd kept, been kept in, in the customs union... If you no. just said to me, if you'd been kept in a customs union, you would have voted for it. No, but you single didn't. Market, single market and customs oh, union. Oh, now mind. it's a single market as well. No, no, that's what it's always been, Mike. I see. OK. So what are you going to do... What are you going to What are you going to do to ensure that this election takes place on the 9th? What do you need to do to make that happen? Well, we'll put it forward to Parliament. Obviously, we need uh, Labour uh, to... Uh, we'd like Labour to support that. We don't know what's going to happen. They won't, will they? We don't know... Well, we don't know if they're a Remain or a Leave party. 19 of their MPs voted uh, with the... <laughs> well, neither did uh, they, to be fair. Deal. Yeah, well, exactly so. So, obviously, we'll put this forward to Parliament this morning. We hope we'll get uh, support for that. This does have to go back to the people in a general election. There's no time for a people's vote. So we need to make sure that people have got their uh, say uh, well, you could we'll call the people's vote. The, 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 even the people's vote campaign don't want a people's vote anymore. They're so messed up. But what about calling the general election a people's vote and getting on with it? Well, I, I think one of the big themes uh, will be Brexit. The other big theme, of course, in Scotland will be giving Scotland the choice to choose its future, whether to be in a 
broken Brexit Britain or indeed to be an independent nation taking its own seat to the EU. Well, how's it broken Brexit Britain if you haven't had Brexit? Well, well look at the past three years, Mike. I don't think anybody can deny that this has been a, a period of enormous turmoil. Um, that's Turmoil's good. By the... Turmoil Sorry? is good. I, think I like turmoil. Oh, you might, but I don't think... Are you telling me you don't like turmoil, Drew? You've never been on the radio more in your life. No, I don't like turmoil at all. I I like things to be done in a sensible way. People to move forward uh, with looking at sensible options. Brexit isn't a sensible option for people, and the offer that's been put on the table by Boris Johnson is extremely bad news for business and our society. Now, I've been asked to ask you a question, a final question before I let you go, because Paddy says, please tell your uh, SNP guests that more people voted Leave at the EU referendum in Scotland than voted for the SNP at the last general election. But if you did get a vote to leave the, uh, the United Kingdom Union, would you leave without a deal? Uh, well, you know, it's a completely different different thing to leave an economic uh, arrangement such as the European Union to uh, leaving the Treaty of Union. But there are 51 countries, I believe. So you would want a deal to leave. So you, you'd want a well, uh, you'd want a deal to leave yeah, the UK. Yeah, of course, of course. Whenever there's a, a change made, you you uh, you negotiate a deal. But we would do it sensibly. Don't forget, in 2014, we brought forward a 600 odd page white paper explaining exactly what we felt would happen mm. during. Uh, the transition uh, to independence. And that was the basis for all of those discussions. We've had a single page of A4 from the UK government. on. Yeah, well, you put all that detail in and you still lost. So the people made a very, very valid and educated choice, right? So why do you need to do it again? Well, of course, you do need to make an educated choice. And things have changed substantially since 2014 when we were told very clearly that the only way to retain our EU membership in Scotland was to vote no to independence. That's clearly changed the situation. We were told to lead not well, we're still, to the we're, UK we're, we're and still, we found ourselves being ignored. Yeah, well, you, I don't know why you keep saying you're being ignored, Drew. You've just had 10 minutes on national radio, but thank you very much indeed. Drew Hendry, MP for Inverness and Nairn uh, from the SNP, business spokesman, of course. Uh, talking, uh, in some ways, in riddles, I think. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Uh, Peter has tweeted me a picture of some bacon uh, and some sausages. It's a bit of DIY later. Uh, abs- absolutely not difficult, is it? Uh, we are not going to run out of pigs and blankets, trust me. And if we do, uh, just make your own. Dan says, now that the SNP Liberal election proposition shows UK Labour that they can't run from an election ad infinitum, maybe they should go back to their original promise of voting for one now. The extension is in place. Well, this is the trouble with the Labour Party, right? They've been saying, oh, hang on, hang on. The Brexit alarm has gone off. Now, I don't know if this means that there's breaking news. I'll just double-check. I don't think there is breaking news. The only breaking news is the bit we brought you earlier, that there is a flex tension in place. Let's find out if it's making us get closer to Brexit and leaving the European Union or not. Oh, look, the clock's speeded up. The clock's going quick. It's slower again. It's gone back to it's gone back to normal. We had it speeded up for a while. In fact, I thought we had it finished, didn't we? The other day, it was finished. It was done the other day. It was all over. Now we're back to it just being in a sort of permanent loop, 
We'll bring that back to you shortly. Uh, how about this? What assurances will the voting public have that the, any election result will be honoured, says Dan? Uh, and Caro says, I remember you saying months ago that this could go on for years and we would never leave. Well, I have said that. Uh, certainly, I don't think that's where we are. I think where we are now is that the Labour Party are going to be exposed for who they are. Uh, they're going to have to go with something here. They want to keep saying that no deal is permanently on the table so that they can't ever vote for anything because their line now is that we must have absolute assurances that no deal is off the table. But at the same time, they're saying, yeah, but of course it can't be off the table because it could happen next year uh, or during the period of time when we are negotiating the trade agreements, even when we've left. So we can't possibly vote for a deal while the no-deal scenario is possible to be there in the next 12 months or so. Let's talk to Ollie Cole, Talk Radio's reporter at Westminster, uh, to find out what the order of business is for today. Ollie, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. So, um, it all gets underway about 2.30, we, we believe. We think that Boris Johnson's going to put his election proposal before the House, which is the one for December the 12th. Is that your understanding? Yeah, that's right. So, um, first of all, we kick off at half two with uh, some Home Office questions and that election motion uh, being presented to the House uh, around about 3.30. Boris Johnson will open uh, that debate. He's not expected to comment on uh, this new Brexit extension that's been offered simply to make the case uh, that an election is needed. Uh, 90 minutes have been set aside for that debate, so we should see voting around about five o'clock. That's if uh, there are no urgent questions or oral statements. Uh, if there are, it might take up an hour uh, or so of time. So around about five, six, seven o'clock, uh, we're going to see uh, those uh, votes come in and we're going to know whether this attempt for an election has been passed. And of course, should that die, uh, there's very much a chance that there'll be another attempt tomorrow as well. Right. And the Lib Dem SNP suggestion that there should be an election on the 9th of December will be proposed today, but my understanding is not voted upon maybe until tomorrow. That's right. So uh, basically, they, they, you sort of have to put the, the motion before the House uh, sort of 24 hours before so that uh, MPs have got time to read it through and uh, understand what's going on. Uh, the government are expected to back uh, this one line bill being put forward by the Lib Dems and the SNP if their general election bid uh, fails today. Of course, today's is under the, uh, the Fixed Term Parliament Act. So Boris Johnson needs two thirds of MPs. That's 434 MPs uh, to get behind it in order to have that election. Uh, at the minute, uh, it looks like Labour are going to vote that down, even if uh, all of the opposition parties, uh, the DUP uh, and those uh, independent uh, former Tories side with the government, they'd still need 66 Labour votes. So right. uh, it, it, that's it's quite really a tall order, form. isn't it? Yeah, it is. We've seen, uh, you know, this sort of group of uh, Labour MPs for a deal uh, voting against their own party over the last few weeks. But that, those numbers have only sort of gone up to the 20s, sometimes the 30s. So right. it is a big, big effort uh, to see 66 Labour MPs kind of defy their whip. So we could very well be back in the House tomorrow with talk of another election. That would only need a majority, uh, the Lib Dem SNP one. So he wouldn't need two thirds of a House. He'd just need a simple uh, majority. And how would MPs. that work? So if you got the, the, the Tories and the SNP and the Lib Dems voting together, is that enough? Uh, it should be. Uh, if the DUP side with it as well, the independent uh, former Tories will probably side with the government uh, on that one and, and fall into line. So uh, potentially we could see that one pass through. As we know, 
the, the support has been there for the government on big things over Brexit. We saw the withdrawal bill uh, sort of uh, get voted upon in its second reading last week with a, a decent majority of 30 for the government, which is a bit more comfortable than we expected. So it's highly possible that there'll be a majority for that tomorrow. And that, of course, would fix the date uh, for the 9th of December. Yeah. And if that happened, then presumably they'd have to dissolve Parliament uh, pretty soon after this week, wouldn't they? Yeah, so um, there can be very, very, very little time uh, to debate that withdrawal agreement bill again mm. before Parliament is dissolved. They've ha they'd have to be out by about November the 2nd, I believe, November the 1st. Right. Uh, so they, they would really have to just push it through this week, uh, get things wrapped up uh, and, and sort of hit that general election. Because it needs to be around about 25 days yeah. uh, from the moment that the Parliament dissolves to actually having that election. Now, in the event that neither of these elections gets voted through, <laughs> Presumably we then return to um, a discussion or scrutiny, as it's become known, of the Brexit withdrawal bill. Yes, uh, that would be put back to the House. Uh, obviously, there's been talk about a sort of slower timetable uh, to see that put through. And, and then we, we get back to the talk of amendments over customs unions, over second referendums, over all this stuff that uh, certain parties are going to try and attach to that withdrawal agreement bill as they go along. Philip Hammond over the weekend even uh, the, the former chancellor, of course, said that he would be in favour of backing a customs union attachment to that bill. So it, we could end up once again with a sort of rocky, rocky road for that withdrawal agreement bill as we head up to Christmas, if none of these elections are, are, are bidded for. Yeah. And sorry to sound like a sort of broken clock, rather like the Brexit <laughs> countdown clock. But if we stuck with this Brexit withdrawal agreement um, bill scrutiny and discussion, we would then presumably take the parliamentary session up until sometime mid-November, by which time surely they will have run out of things to say about it and it will have to be passed, at which point we could leave the European Union because the Brextension says if that bill passes, we're in good shape to leave. Yeah, so this is this uh, flextension, yeah. another bit of lovely Brexit uh, lexicology uh, that's come in, which basically means that if that withdrawal bill is passed, the, the, the extension kind of has couple of time limits on it so you've got to the end of november then you've got to the end of december uh, so of course it'll be up to parliament to decide its own recess over christmas uh, they have to sort of vote for when they're going to take time off mm. uh, like they do over the summer so we could potentially see that bill sort of slug its way through parliament uh, right up to the end of the year and potentially there is a chance if it gets through uh, then we could have, uh, of course have left by uh, the end of november or the end of december yeah. Uh, if we then run into January, then, of course, that time limit is the end of January. So it's kind of a, cu a couple of months now where that withdrawal agreement bill, if an election isn't backed, has some breathing space yeah. and we'll, we'll see... Surely that would have... That. Yeah, they'd have to pass it because we've been told the numbers are there for it. I mean, even Oliver Letwin accepts that. Uh, and so if, in fact, all of the bits and pieces of the bill are discussed, nothing is attached to it, you know, they can't keep this going forever. So we may end up, presumably, with a, t a, a sort of a two-choice December... Uh, which is that either um, we, we, we vote the withdrawal bill through, at which point, uh, therefore, it passes and we leave the European Union before the end of the year, or somebody throws another spanner in the works, um, uh, which I can't predict, I don't know what it would be, um, which somehow takes us over the Christmas holidays. Yeah, and like I say, in terms of the withdrawal agreement bill, it it would really come down to those amendments. Uh, you know, there would be huge whipping operations on, on the Labour side to try and attach that customs union, to try and vote down that mm. bill, and they'd really be trying. Uh, we had yeah, but we're told there isn't, that, there isn't movement, there isn't enough maths for that, though, isn't there? Well, that's the thing. It would come down to the numbers, and, and it would be up to that debate to sort of persuade MPs that it was the, the right decision or the wrong decision. Um, the, the government 
should there be any amendments attached to it, we may see again the government sort of getting a bit uncomfortable and trying to pull it again, trying to put it on pause again. Uh, but that bill, it, of course, is on pause. It's not being thrown out altogether. So it, there is a chance that we can pick up where we left off, which is it's passed its second reading. We know it had the numbers for the second reading. The numbers were a little bit tighter for the, the amendments and tighter again for passing it at its final stage. And of course, it would have to go to the Lords as well. So uh, there, there could be a lot of debate and discussion over what's right, what's wrong in terms of this bill and a lot more <laughs> government pulling and pushing again. Yeah. Basically, it's, you know, never ending Brexit as always. Yes, brilliant stuff, Ollie. Thank you very much indeed. Very well explained. I'm pretty sure I know exactly where we are, uh, which is exactly where we were. And we will be going somewhere, but it may not be too soon. That's kind of what's going on. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, everybody likes bees and butterflies. I think it's very difficult to find anyone in this country, certainly, who would have anything to say. I actually saw a butterfly last weekend, which rather surprised me, because I thought it was a bit late in the year for a butterfly. It was a bit chilly, uh, and he was flying on his own and uh, being battered by the wind and sort of trying to make progress through this field that I was in walking my dog, uh, and he didn't look at all happy. Let's talk, though, to Darren Rudge, uh, who is the Laughing Gardener, to find out what he makes of all of this. Darren, a very good afternoon. Welcome to the Independent Republic. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Now, I mean, I love a garden. I've got a, quite a big garden. It's quite a wild garden anyway. I mean, it's got grass, but a lot of the trees and the bushes and everything, we just kind of let them go because that's kind of... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not particularly good at doing the garden and keeping it tidy myself. So is it good to have a wild garden and, and will it upset the neighbours, I suppose? 
well, no, essentially not. <laughs> I mean, you can have wilder areas in your garden. No. Right? So you, don't, you don't have to let it all go. And uh, it's certainly better for nature, especially if you can plant indigenous things like beech, um, uh, hornbeam, hazel, um, and uh, uh, corylus, those sorts of things. They're, they're really important to our wildlife in this country and uh, you know letting things go a little bit it's not a big problem because you still need to maintain things you still need to um, uh, have things under control but you're not necessarily controlling them as you would in uh, you know proper ornamental gardening if you if you if you see my point yeah i mean there are some villages when you drive through them in this country which are so immaculately kind of put together that you feel as though, you know, those very well-trimmed privet hedges and things, and you really feel like if, in fact, you had a wild garden in one of those places, the local council would be round to, to, to sort of uh, do you over and say, you must tidy it up. Well, it just depends on your point of view, doesn't it? Because one person's weed is another person's wildflower, and it's it's really subjective. And I think it it can be done in a sustainable way, yeah. so that you appeal to all members of the community. It's not just letting it get to sort of one extreme of uh, of the argument, is it? That's that's the way it needs to be done. No, of course. And we hear that. I mean, you may tell me this is not quite correct, but we hear different stories. I think over the course of the last few years about the bee population and whether um, it's it's actually in good shape, or whether it's in bad shape, whether there's you know diseases which which could wipe it out. Similarly, with butterflies, we see new species being introduced all the time, other species dying out. What's the situation? Well, the situation is as you've heard, the bee population is endangered. You know, our honeybees are are virtually about to uh, be non-existent unless we do things to, to actually help and support the population. And just simple things like, you know, planting uh, plants that will give nectar and, uh, you know, habitats that will encourage butterflies and bees to actually move into our garden spaces. We've become a nation of islands within islands, and it's very sterile, and it's very clean, it's very uncluttered. And that's the way we've trained people in this country to be. So we need to, uh, you know, take take a, more of a leaf from uh, from Holland and the Dutch mm. who, uh, with their new wave planting, it's naturalistic. Uh, if folks go onto the internet and look at new wave planting, this style is absolutely superb. It's stunning, Mike, but actually what it does is it gives all the benefits uh, for things like bees and butterflies that we really, really need to instil in our gardens in this country. I've got a tweet here from Jennifer who says, last year in this I purposely left any dandelions in the ground because dandelions do attract bees. And she said that seemed to work quite well. You know, in medieval times and, and a bit further forwards, the dandelion was, was something that was, was advocated and planted. Right. You can eat all parts of a dandelion. Well, you I know, remember people making uh, dandelion tea when I was younger. Well, you can still do that. You can make nettle tea. Yeah. You know, uh, all sorts of things that are out there that we've just either forgotten about or not been told about, Mike, because we've become a, a, a society that believes what's on that, in that box on the wall. Uh, you know, and nothing else, and and too frightened to experiment, and things that you've got in your bathroom, your kitchen, your bedroom cupboards, you can use and utilise in your gardening, be more sustainable, more ecological, and encourage, you know, butterflies. Essential oils, if you've got a orange essential oil, you can pop five five or six drops of that onto a cotton ball, pop that near to a plant that you want to be pollinated, and watch the bees and butterflies come in. 
Yeah. I absolutely love it. So it's gorgeous. It's a natural product. Why do we need anything else? No, quite. I mean, I stayed, I rented a place in northern Spain once, which was a kind of medieval village, and they had this beautiful um, sort of terrace over which there was basically a lavender bush of some kind, and it was growing kind of, you know, over over a, a, a sort of, you know, a trellis idea. And there were thousands of bees, and they, they were so, so noisy that you could actually hear them buzzing. It was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, common or garden shrubs like hebes, bees love them in the summer, and you can plant them. They don't take a lot of maintenance. Most of them will grow into a, a you know, a small dome, so they look like box and things like that. There's loads of alternatives when you start to look at it. You know, we're coming into what's called the bare root season, where you can buy plants for pence yeah. rather than pounds. So instead of putting a fence up, why don't you install a fedge? which is literally a single line of one species of plant. Mm. And then you can, you know, such as beech or hornbeam, which is really controllable. And then to encourage additional wildlife, you can put some honeysuckle in there, you can put clematis in there, you can put a rambling rose in there. And what you get is this wonderful, gorgeous effect. And, you know, invertebrates and, you know, butterflies and bees will love you forever and a day. That's great. And what about this time of year, though? Because I I would imagine most people like me who are not particularly well First in uh, biology, would, would assume that this is not the time to do any of that. I mean, it's not the time to encourage your garden to grow wild because it doesn't really grow now until the spring. But it is exactly the time to do the preparation for the spring. So the gardening year starts in October. It okay. doesn't start in the spring. So you can be preparing ground. As we move into the winter months, you can be planting bare root stock or root bald stock. So you can be doing all that preparation. It's not a problem for you to be planting, you know, deciduous stock, things that lose their leaves, basically, have become dormant. They've gone to sleep for the winter. So actually, if you plant them this time of year, it's a really good time to get them into the ground so they're ready to go for the spring months. And, you know, they'll probably made a, a decent root system by the time the spring comes so you've actually helped yourself because you'll not be able, you, you'll not, not need to water them and uh, you know be tending to them as much as you would as if as if you'd planted yeah. them in the spring and what about these god awful housing estates that get put up where they've got like you know a little space for your car double garage you know a little bit of lawn out the front i mean it looks very sterile you can't really put anything in there can you it's, 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 it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, uh, planners and, uh, you know, you get a postage stamp with a new build these days. But there's still things you can do, you know. Have a little, have a little rock pile in the corner. Okay. And things, things can make a happy home there. Log piles and things like that. Love it. You know, if you, if you hang just some, some bamboo canes, wrap them with um, some string, hoverflies and ladybirds will make a happy home, a happy nest in there for uh, overwintering. So you can still be, you know, um, naturalistic and encouraging wildlife, even in the very smallest of space, and use essential oils to actually bring you know wildlife into the garden. Brilliant. Uh, now, one final, tricks. one final question, Darren. Why are you called the Laughing Gardener? Because I laugh a lot, Mike. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. At the end of the day, right. it was uh, the um, I, I, I do uh, a lot of radio, and uh, one uh, broadcaster that I work with labelled me many, many years ago as the laughing gardener because I believe gardening and horticulture should be fun and you should have fun when you garden. Uh, so what we do on, on other radio stations is we have some fun 
and we laugh and we learn things. So, uh, you know, that's well, you why telling me you didn't have fun doing this? Are you saying you didn't have fun Mike, with me? this has been fabulous, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. And, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk all, all right. day. Let's do it again. <laughs> we'll get you back on. Darren Rudge, The Laughing Garden. You heard it here first. Well, actually, you didn't hear it here first, but you heard it here first in this particular radio show uh, that he is The Laughing Garden. And he says you can do things uh, that you can't believe will work so well, right? Just get yourself more... Bushes, get yourself more plants, get yourself more. Uh, um, what was it? What was it? Just a couple of things he suggested? I can't remember now. Um, but lots more vines, lots more bamboo, and you'll get a load more bees and butterflies. It's got to be done. But would you care if you were living next door to somebody with a really, really untidy garden? Are you one of those people that would moan about it? Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hotel California. Now, many of you would have thought that this is a Brexit song, right? Because uh, already people from the Brexit party are tweeting the line, uh, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave, which is what Brexit does feel a little bit like at the moment. However, it's not about that. Uh, it's about hotels, because which has gone round to find the worst hotel and the best hotel change, uh, chain all around the place, right? And believe it or not, Britannia, which has got 61 hotels across the UK, including the Adelphi, which I had the misfortune to stay in uh, when I did a show up in Liverpool a couple of years ago, uh, is again ranked the worst in almost every single category. Overall satisfaction score of only 39%. Cleanliness proved to be a particularly sore point, with guests repeatedly using words such as filthy, dreadful and scruffy. Well, I can concur absolutely with that, uh, certainly due to my experience in one of their hotels. But uh, on the other end of the scale, Weatherspoon's hotels have apparently ranked top for the first time, sharing first place with Premier Inns, champion for the past four years. Let's talk to uh, our man in the travel guru suite. He is, of course, Simon Calder from The Independent. Simon, very good afternoon to you. Very good. Very good. Yes. Um, and look, this isn't the first time that poor old uh, Britannia, uh, despite your excellent um, uh, custom and uh, being a very, very good uh, patron of the company, uh, they haven't um, done very well. They have. They're not commenting in response to this. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's not great. And there are techniques that um, uh, hotel inspectors can use. Some were used in this uh, situation involving ultraviolet light and swabs and things. You really don't want to know uh, um, no. what, what those were like. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, apparently the one in Gatwick, the Britannia in Gatwick, had yeah. some particularly vile stuff discovered by that well, that lamp being shone. Uh, yes, and, and of course, remember that most of this is to do with the previous guests, so yes. you can't entirely blame the... Uh, uh, blame the um, uh, hotel chain for it, but um, uh, yeah, I, look, it, it, I think we're really well served. I've stayed in a Britannia once or twice. I must say, it wouldn't be the sort of thing that um, I would uh, hugely enjoy. But if I'm stuck in a city and it's late at night and they've got the only room, then um, of course I'm going to I'm going to pay for it. And the other thing is that uh, yeah, there's a quite close correlation between how much people pay and um, uh, and how much. Uh, uh, how, how much they like it, although um, Premier in, and you, as you say, Weatherspoons yeah. doing pretty well. Um, I think just in the case of Weatherspoons, though, I think you'd need to be a Weatherspoons fan, and if you were, 
then the fact that you could stagger from bar to bed in about 30 seconds yes. would probably have some appeal. And maybe it might even, if you've been enjoying some of their um, beverages, might even <laughs> um, reduce your critical faculties. That's all, true. A, a bit. But I, I mean, um, see, uh, I, always, I always say, I suppose, that you can afford to be more critical the more money you pay. You know, like if you go to yes. an expensive restaurant and the service is rubbish and the food's not very good, you've got more um, right, I think, to complain than if you go to some fast food joint and the guy was a bit rude to you. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, it's very interesting. The, um, uh, the the worst hotels tend to be the cheapest one. Easy Hotel didn't come out very well. Ibis budget neither. Um, but then some qu really quite good ones. So um, Mercure and Copthorne. Copthorne, average price, £100. If I'm paying £100, I expect things to be all right. If yeah. I'm paying 60 then I'm probably not going to be so uh, so fastidious, exactly as, as you say. But, I mean, Premier Mike. Inn have proven, have they not? I mean, if you're a, 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 someone that travels an awful lot and you don't have massive travelling expenses, because there was a time, of course, when I was a Fleet Street executive and I could stay in places that cost three or 400 quid a night and claim oh. it back, you know, so I yes. was living very much in the lap of luxury. I imagine in the independent it's not quite like that these days. But, you know, uh, I, no, I, we, we, do, I, I always, we get... Um, Go on. Group membership of the Youth Hostels Association. Yes, there you are. Okay, yeah. well, this is the thing. So, but, but Premier Inn have pretty much proven that you can be cheap and cheerful and that you can expect, because what I expect from a hotel chain is relative uniformity, right? Now, yes. I don't particularly enjoy uh, if I stay in a, if I've had, on the few occasions I've had to stay in a Premier Inn, you, you get your soap from a dispenser on the wall. That's not something that I particularly like. However, I know that it's going to be pretty much the same, whether it's Newcastle uh, or Bristol or Cardiff or Glasgow, you know? Oh, oh, sure, yeah. And um, Premier Inn seems to have seems to have won over people more than, say, Travelodge, which is a sort of an American import. Um, it, it, it's a it, it's a very successful brand, as you say. It is consistent, and also it's got basics right. So, for instance, you know, if you go in the door and you turn the light on, the light is going to go on. Yeah. You're not going to have to have a PhD in science to work out exactly what combination of buttons to press uh, in order to get the uh, level of lighting you want. Um, and, and Lenny Henry has done very well for them. Um, it's a, yeah, a, a, a people speak to me voluntarily very fondly about Premier Inn and uh, I'm, I'm very happy with them, but I like all the budget ones really. Easy Hotels is fine. Ibis Budget, uh, yeah, they're pretty good. And I must say, probably the, the people who are listening to this who were running hotels in difficult situations where they're family-run hotels, mm. they're the people who are really suffering. And of course, you know, if they, there's lots of competition, a Premier Inn opens up um, just down the road, you're going to have problems. You're going to have to cut your rates to get any attention on um, uh, the internet. Um, and then that, of course, is where so many people book. And then that's going to have a spiral. You're going to have to cut your costs, so yeah. maybe you won't do your cleaning quite right, and it all goes um, all goes a bit tango uniform, as it they say. It certainly does, uh, yeah. And how, is, and how is the kind of the, the small private kind of B&B &B type business? Because, well, I, I mean, I've stayed in, again, also, you know, on various travels. You know, there used to be the odd pub mm. in the West Country. You could, they would have rooms, and it was quite oh, nicely yes. put together. It was quite a sort of boutique-y type feel, and they would do a nice breakfast in the morning, and it was reasonable, you know. Yeah, um, it, it's all very, very variable. I, I, I stay in quite a lot of quite uh, interesting places, uh, most of which I wouldn't sadly return to. It's a very <laughs> difficult, um, very difficult business. But mm. um, one, one word is that I always, if I find something online at one of the online um, uh, travel agents who take typically 15% minimum out of the transaction, I'll always get on the phone to the hotel and see what they will do for me. And generally they're quite okay. nice. But 
you've got to be either a chain or you've got to be boutique, it seems to me, um, and set up something which is really a little bit special, a little bit personal, a little bit individual, rather than just a, a fairly dowdy hotel, which, sure. is, um, which has seen better days. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I'm getting quite a few tweets. So I've got one from Roger, who recommends a place called Glenapp Castle as his favourite hotel in the world. Five-star yeah. Relayan Chateau Hotel on the beautiful yeah. Ayrshire Coast in Ballantrae. I don't know it, but it looks lovely. Oh, of course, yes. And, and look, there's a huge market for extremely good places. Um, just before, uh, yeah, the, the, there's uh, places constantly opening up to cater for the people for whom 300, 500 pounds a night is, is not, uh, uh, not unreasonable. I went to a preview of Andy Murray's hotel oh, yeah. in Perthshire, which is absolutely gorgeous. Is that good? Beautifully yeah. done. Um, but, but also done in a way where you can tell the key market is visiting Americans. Of course. And they just want traditional British style. Well, that might not actually appeal to you and me. It's a little, little bit kind of chintzy and... Yeah, well, it's a bit, a bit like Glen Eagles, which is just down the road, isn't it? I mean, if you can't get into Glen Eagles, you yeah. get to Andy Murray's gaff. <laughs> well, that, that, I know that's your, your motto. Um, but, uh, no, it, it's good. And the other thing, breakfast. You've got to get the breakfast right. Yes. Premier Inn do that. I'd say Holiday Inn Express do it pretty well. But some of the really cheap trains, uh, cheap chains... Your breakfast is kind of a, a paper bag with with some apology for a breakfast bar, <laughs> and um, I would always um, uh, nip along and find a good calf where you can eat yes. uh, uh, twice as well for half the price. That's a very good idea, as ever. Great advice. Thank you very much indeed. Simon Calder, travel editor at the Independent. The worst hotel chain in Britain is the Britannia. You can take my word for that. Uh, the best, apparently, uh, is Premier Inn or uh, well, Weatherspoons. But uh, take your pick of that. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock sharp. Uh, there'll be lots to talk about because this afternoon we'll find out whether there's likely to be an election in December, uh, whether it's going to be Boris's plan on the 12th or the SNP and the Lib Dems plan uh, on the 6th. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.